Well, good morning and welcome to part two of our Second Peter series. I'm really excited about God and what He's doing through us and the way He's teaching us through His Word. I got a question for you, and it's one that I've asked before, but maybe you haven't been with us when I've asked it. What if you knew the approximate time that you would die? What would that change? How would that change the way you live? How would that change your actions or the things in, that you were thinking about? And, and I'm not saying the exact moment, but hey, you know, sometimes cancer diagnosis, you get a certain aggressive form of cancer and, and you know that you might have weeks or months to live. That's a reality that many people live with. What would change if you knew the approximate time that you would die. We think about it as we get older. When we're younger, we feel invincible. We feel like, man, we've got so much time ahead of us. And so we live a little bit differently. We, we don't, we're not as urgent about some things. It's always an interesting question. I'm sure we've all pondered it. We don't know how long we have in this life. We're not guaranteed to the rest of today. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. But yet, we live with a thinking that looks ahead and, and says, Oh, I've got 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. Man, there's so much time. But yet, it goes very quickly. And I think since COVID, people have looked at time a little bit differently. I know there are people that are taking va more vacations because they're like, Man, I don't know. I don't know if the world's going to shut down again. I don't know what's going to happen. So when you take away some of that security, there is an urgency to, to move forward. Now, we as believers, that idea that time is short, we understand it, and it affects us a little bit differently because we know that this life isn't all that there is. We know because of our relationship with Jesus that we have something more to look forward to. We have something that is going to be far greater than what we know today. But yet, it still changes the way we think. Now, Peter, when he wrote this, he was nearing the end of his life. He knew the Holy Spirit had let him know that his, his time was short. And so he was writing from that perspective, like, I really need you guys to get this. I really want you to understand this. This is These are his followers. These are his disciples in a way. Um, you know, he's following Jesus, but he's in charge of the churches and he's wanting them to understand Look, these are the things that are really important. These are the things to look out for. And I think it's the same thing with us. As we get older and we pour into our kids, the later we get in life, we, we have more serious conversations like, hey, here's the things you really need to dwell on. Here's the things that are really important. It changes our focus. Look at some of the things in Scripture that kind of talks about this. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, so we don't look at our troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. That's what, that's us as believers. Like, look, the troubles of this life and the difficulties and the things that we have, they're going to go away. Eventually, all of this goes away. And then we're in the presence of God for eternity. That's the beauty of the gospel. That's what we're looking forward to. But we know we have friends and family around us that, that don't have that hope. They haven't put their trust in Jesus. We also know that 
decisions that need to be made. You, there's just so much that we pour into people. But as believers, we don't think so much about this as we do looking forward and looking ahead. 2 Corinthians 5.8, a little further in 2 Corinthians, says, Yes, we are fully confident and we would rather be away from these earthly bodies for then we will be home with the Lord. That's our hope. We know that these broken bodies that we have will soon go away. So I want us to keep that in mind. Peter knows that he's about to die. I don't know. The Holy Spirit revealed it to him. But Jesus also foreshadowed this. He also told them, or told Peter that, hey, you know what? You're not always going to be here. And I, we'll look at that in just a second. Um, in John 21, 18, this is what he said. I tell you the truth. And this is Jesus talking to Peter. He says, I tell you the truth. When you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to let him know what kind of death he would glorify God. Then Jesus told him, follow me. Peter, he was basically foreshadowing that, hey, you're going to come to a place where you're going to be martyred or died. And we know from church history that Peter was crucified in Rome upside down. And I don't know how old he was. He was older. He had been a leader of the church for quite a while. So when we understand that, man, life is short, and if you were to give a diagnosis that said, hey, maybe in two to three months or six weeks you're going to die, you know, there's a couple different reactions. Some people, man, they just go and try and do everything they can and try and hit all those bucket list items. Others try and pour in and spend as much time with family as they can. Others, some just shut down. And they're the ones that tend to die a lot quicker. They just go within themselves, become depressed, and shut down. For us as believers, we understand that time is short. And, and, and I think it gives us more urgency to what God put us here. Remember, our purpose is to love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, body, and soul, and to love our neighbors ourselves. And our mission is to tell people about the love of Jesus, to draw them towards Him. So if we know our time is short, we want to encourage people to help them to understand how important it is to have that relationship with Jesus. It also is who gives us the peace and the hope in that time. So the same was too true for Peter. Peter knew his time was short. He wrote this letter with that in mind. So the first point today is to make the most of every moment. To make the most of every moment. We know that time is short. We know that we're not promised tomorrow. So we need to make the most of today. To make the most of everything that we have. It doesn't mean that we go crazy. It doesn't mean that, that we just blow all our money and do everything we've always wanted to do. But we got to be wise. Let the Holy Spirit guide us. But take advantage of every situation. Love on people more than you've ever loved them. Be on mission for God because... We don't know when that time is going to happen. We don't know when the master is going to come back. We know Jesus could come back at any moment. We could die at any moment. So make the most of that moment. We need to find a balance between spending time with our family and doing the things we love and living on mission and doing that stuff. So Peter's trying to put all of the things in the right perspective so that we can move forward to be intentional with our relationships, to be intentional with our time. 
Peter understood this. Let's look at 2 Peter chapter 1. We're still in chapter 1. Let's look at verses 12 through 15 for a moment. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 12. Therefore, I will always remind you about these things, even though you already know them and are standing firm in the truth you have been taught. And it is only right that I should keep on reminding you as long as I live. For our Lord Jesus Christ has shown me that I must soon leave this earthly life. So I will work hard to make sure you always remember these things after I am gone. Do you get that? So Peter is pouring into those that he's, these are church leaders. They're people that he has direct impact into their lives. And he's saying, look, I know you know this. What I'm telling you is not something new. But it's so important that I want to keep drilling that into your mind. Keep drilling it into your mind. If you go to boot camp and, and you got a drill sergeant, what is their job? Their job is to condition you so that everything you do becomes second nature. If you, When you do a job, you do it so much it becomes second nature. Think about driving. If you have your driver's license and you drive, much of what we do is second nature. We don't have to think about every detail of what we do. It becomes natural. Same thing for an athlete that's training. They train ridiculous amounts of hours so that when they go and compete, it's second nature. So Peter keeps drilling these things that we already know into our minds so that it becomes second nature. It's something we have to be constantly told over and over again. And you get the sense of urgency. He said, look, Jesus has already told me that I'm not going to be with you much longer. I want you to get this. You need to understand this. I've seen this in my own life. If I let certain areas of my life slip, I've read through the Bible several times. But when I let my devotional time slip, when I let my time, and I'm talking about personal study, not for work, not for, for writing messages and teaching, but my personal study time, if I don't put those things in and keep pouring them into my life, they become dull and I begin to, to slip away from them. I used to get frustrated early on when I was still a youth pastor. I'm like, man, I feel like I preach the same thing over and over again. I've even told you that, man, I could end every message with the same thing. And I, and I wrestle with God on that. And God just spoke to me and said, well, when everybody gets it, when they hold on to it, then you can change and do something else. But we have to be reminded. We have to be urged and pushed. Let's face it. We often know what we need to do, but we often need to be reminded to do it. Why do we set reminders on our phones to pay bills? We know we need to pay bills. Because we forget, we get busy, we get other distracted and other things come in. We're constantly needing to be reminded of what we need to do. Because it's easy for us to get focused on other things. So that's what Peter's doing. He's reminding them what they need to do. He's reminding them what's important. We meet together and I share messages and there may not even be new things. Sometimes it's new to you. But a lot of times it's not, but it's a reminder of what's important. It's a reminder of what we need to be focused on. It's having that consistent study and prayer time in your life. I think the parable of the sower illustrates this. You know that I use that parable a lot. And I'm going to apologize now. If you're not familiar with the parable of the sower, you can look it up. It's in several of the Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Several of them share it. I don't remember which one exactly right now. 
but I'm not going to put the verses in there. But basically, you got this farmer that's sowing seeds, and the seeds are the gospel. And in two of the instances, either rocky soil kept the seeds from growing down deep, or thorny, weedy soil choked out the Word of God. And in each of those cases, it represented things in our lives that we need to get rid of, that rocky soil sin in our lives, things that we have held on to that keep the Word of God from growing in our lives. We have to root those rocks out. Or the weeds and the thistles and the thorns are the things of this life where we just keep getting hit by all these distractions, whether they're things that we enjoy, like sports and hobbies that sometimes take us away from the Word of God, or they may be sickness, illness, jobs, whatever it is. If we don't constantly cultivate the soil of our hearts and allow the Spirit of God to, to instill those things in, we, we become weak. We lose sight of those things. I think that's one of the greatest illustrations. And Peter's saying, look, this is what's important. These are the things that you need to, to focus on. And the main thing that he focuses on, which is our second point today, is to know and trust the Scriptures. To know and trust the Scriptures. Now, at the time that Peter wrote this, the New Testament didn't exist. Think about it. This is part of the New Testament. It was being written while Peter was alive. Paul was writing his letters. Peter's writing his letters. The Gospel writers are writing their accounts. It wasn't compiled to much later when the Holy Spirit impressed upon some leaders to compile it into the New Testament. But he was pointing back even to the Old Testament. Now look at 2 Peter 1, and we're going to look at 16 through 21. It says this, For we are not making up clever stories when we told you about the powerful coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We saw his majestic splendor with our own eyes. When he received honor and glory from God the Father, the voice from the majestic glory of God said to him, This is my dearly loved Son who brings me great joy. We ourselves heard that voice from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. Because of that experience, we have even greater confidence in the message proclaimed by the prophets. You must pay close attention to what they wrote, for their words are like a lamp shining in the dark place until the day dawns, and Christ the morning star shines in their hearts. Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No, these prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit, and they spoke from God. I love how Peter starts this. He's like, look, guys, I didn't make this stuff up. We're not making this up. We experience firsthand the things that Jesus did. Now, Peter was one of Jesus' closest friends. He walked with Jesus even when a lot of the other disciples weren't with him. It says that oftentimes in Scripture it said that Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him when he went up on the mountain. When God revealed to him and transformed Jesus into basically his heavenly body in front of them, and he talked to Moses and Elijah that Peter, James, and John were there and saw that. They saw the things that Jesus did, the miracle of feeding the 5,000. They saw him heal people. They saw all of these tremendous miracles, walking on water, all of that stuff. They saw it themselves. 
And it was consistent across their stories. It wasn't being made up. And he's saying, look, we were there, but now you have to trust the prophets, the things that they said about him. It came true. We saw it right before our eyes. We heard his voice. It's important that you remember what the prophets said. It's important that you remember what we've said. Take these things in, remember them, study them, learn them, know them. It's important that these things apply to our lives. We talked about this um, a couple weeks ago when we talked about how we need to know Scripture. Scripture in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, this is the purpose of Scripture. In verse 16, it says, All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong with our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip His people to do every good work. The Scripture, even though it's sometimes hard and we don't wrap our heads around all of it, it was sent by the Holy Spirit to help us to understand, to help us to know the history, to help us to know how to live. It's our instruction manual. It teaches us how to live. That's why it's good that we ask questions, that we study, that we learn. You're not going to know everything. Look, there's passages of Scripture I have to go and study in commentaries and ask questions myself to make sure I understand it. You don't have to understand everything, but what you do is you study, you learn, you grow, you find out the character of God. We're never going to understand it all. But when we look at Scripture as a whole, we can see God's redemptive plan from the Old Testament to Jesus and beyond to the point where we're living today. You can see how the love of God has been since the fall of man in Genesis has been all about restoring man back to right relationship with God. You can see it throughout that history. There's things that we can learn. Scripture is not just a bunch of stories and histories written by man. They were put together and inspired by the Holy Spirit to write and compile those things. Yes, God did work through the personalities of the writer, but it was the Holy Spirit that inspired what was to say. It's the same thing with me in preaching a message. I sit down and I study, my personality comes through, but it's the Holy Spirit that guides me in what to say and how to put things together and, and where we're going with that. It's not just my own understanding. There's times that the Holy Spirit will reveal something to me. I'm like, oh, wait, where did that come from? Man, I didn't realize that. I see that it's a connection. Look at 2 Peter 1, 20 and 21. I want you to see this again. It says, above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from a prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No, those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and spoke from God. It's so important to understand the Holy Spirit's role in Scripture. And the Holy Spirit gave us the Scripture to guide us and teach us, to give us a handbook on how to live. So Peter's number one primary thing in this, and he's going to go on, we're going to talk about false teachers in the next one, but his number one thing was that we would know Scripture, that we would understand it, that we would see the character of God, that we wouldn't take it out of context. So as I wrap up this message, not a long one. As I wrap this up, I want to give you a few things to focus on. The first thing is to set up a consistent time to study the Scripture. 
Put it in your calendar if you have to. Be consistent. Get in that habit, in that routine. Be intentional about reading Scripture. Now I'm going to give you some keys on how to read it. First, read it three times. This is something we do in some small groups. Read it three times. The first time you read it, read it with your head. Just write down the things that stand out to you. Circle key words, whatever that is. Highlight things that stand out to you. And, and look, I'm going to back up for a minute. There are read-through-scripture-in-a-year plans, and those things are good. And if that's something you need to do, that's great. But I like studying Scripture a little bit more in depth because I want us to understand it, not just read through it. So read it with your head. The second time you read it, read it with your heart. Ask yourself, what is God saying to me in this passage? How does this passage impact my life, my everyday life? Now, not every passage is going to impact you with some thing. Sometimes when you're going through the histories and you're looking at those God can reveal some things to you, but it may not be something that you need to directly do anything about in your life for that. Understand that. But the third time you read it, go, okay, God, is there anything I need to do with what I'm reading? Is it causing me to take action, sometimes something outside of even myself? Is there something you need me to do with this to share with somebody so those are, that's a really practical way to read Scripture to help you to understand it and get a little depth out of it. All right, next thing. Make sure that if there's something confusing or that you don't understand, ask questions. Go to somebody that you trust, that you know that has depth in the Scripture. Come to your pastor or myself. Um, ask somebody that's seasoned a little bit. Don't just Google it because, man, there are a lot of websites out there that can take you a million different directions. It can be more confusing to do that. Ask the right questions. Get people that can help guide you through that. And that will help you to maybe have a better understanding. There's some things we're just not going to understand. That's the nature of it. All right, something else to keep in mind. God will never contradict himself or lead you to do something outside of his character. So as you study scripture and you get this idea, make sure it lines up with God. Make sure, test it with other people. Make sure that it aligns with the character of God. He's never going to ask you to do anything that contradicts his scripture. And that's why it's so important to read things in context. When you read through these letters, they were written as a letter, not really broken down in chapters. There's thoughts. But when you read them as a whole and understand them as a whole, it's different than if we just take it out and apply it to something else. Man, I could, I could pull out scripture that would tell you to kill people. I could pull out scripture that would tell you to do X, Y, and Z. If we take things out of context, we can get very confused and actually share a gospel that doesn't exist. So as we wrap this up today, remember time is short. Make the most of every moment. Be intentional about your time. Spend time with God. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak into your life. Get to know His Word. And then take what God's given you and share it with the people around you. Make the most of those moments and those opportunities. Because remember, our mission is to draw people to Christ. And we're not going to be very good at that if we're not taking the time to draw closer to Him ourselves. 
That's what Peter wanted us to know. He wanted us to be intentional about the scripture, to understand them and know them and to make the most of every moment. So as we wrap up today, I want to ask you, how intentional are you in spending time with him? How intentional are you in taking what he's given you and using it in a way to love on people around you, to draw them into his presence? I'm not talking about preaching a message to them. I'm talking about letting it change you so that you can interact with them in a different way. So that you can represent him well. So let's pray together today. Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, for most of us, this is not new stuff. But Lord, I pray that we would be more mindful of following you, more mindful of putting your word into our lives, to studying it, to knowing it, to applying it to our life, that we would understand you more. And Lord, I ask right now that you would touch each person that's watching this today, that you would pour into their lives, that you would give them a desire and a passion to know you more. And I thank you for what you're doing in us, and I thank you for what you're going to do through us. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for worshiping with us today. And I appreciate you taking the time to be a part of our church. Have a great week.